Hi, y'all, and welcome to the Fitness Nutritionist Podcast. And that's nutritionist with an S, since there's two of us. We're your hosts, Stephanie and Mandy. We all know that nutrition and fitness information can be overwhelming and confusing. So we're here to help women find real answers for all things fitness and nutrition related by giving you quick tips and strategies so you can find your healthy weight, get fit, and improve your physical and mental health. And as registered dietitians, we know how nutrition and exercise can help you feel better and allow you to live your healthiest and happiest life. So be sure and hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the episodes full of great tips and helpful information we have just for you. You can also join us in our private Facebook group, The Fitness Nutritionist Corner, where we will provide fun challenges, answer your questions, and support women along their journey to a better health. So grab a glass of water and let's get moving with today's topic. Welcome back to another episode of the Fitness Nutritionist Podcast. This is episode number 21, and today we're going to be talking about fatigue and foods to help fight fatigue. But first off, I want to say, Mandy, welcome back. We've missed you the last two episodes. Oh, thank you. Missed you too. Yeah. I hate that I'm able to record anything with you. But life has been super busy. Yes. How did the wedding go? Oh, it went fabulous. Good, good. So now your son and your daughter are both married and they did that within what, eight months of each other? Yes. So in the last eight months, I've had two rounds of chicken pox and now a round of shingles. My goodness. So (laughs) I would say I've been a little bit stressed and probably fatigued. That's why I'm really interested in today's topic. Yeah. Well, I said, I'm glad you're back and both of your kids are married to good people. So that's very exciting. Both of mine, my son and daughter are supposed to be graduating in less than two weeks. So been lots of stuff going on for us. And Miss Lexi got her internship. Yep. That's exciting. She'll be graduating with her bachelor's in nutrition following our footsteps. And then she was accepted into the internship program at OU. So she's hoping to do their specialization in sports. So we'll see. That's so funny to me that they do specialties now. Yeah. But I love it. Me too. Yeah. So I am super interested, like I said, in today's topic. So Stephanie, did you know that chronic fatigue syndrome can affect one to eight out of every 1000 Americans? And that's 18 years and older. So Stephanie, have you ever had fatigue? Yes. Now I've never had the chronic fatigue syndrome, but I think probably most women at some point in their lives have, have suffered from just fatigue and kind of feeling worn out and definitely craving some more energy. So yes, Stephanie, since you said women, um, that's interesting because did you know that we are three times more likely to be fatigued than men? Yeah. I'm not surprised by that. (laughs) So I know I'm not, I wasn't surprised by either when I read it. Yeah. 
And the most common, the age group is 25 to 45, which, you know, I, I actually fall out of that by quite some years. Um, however, I have recently suffered with fatigue. And I think a lot of that is some, some factors we're going to talk about in just a little bit. Yeah. So. so let's talk about some reasons for fatigue. So let's talk, let's go over a few of those. So of course, we all know underlying health conditions can be one reason, such as anemia, COPD, heart disease, congestive heart failure can all be reasons for fatigue. Certain medications can cause you to have more fatigue than others. Um, I found this one interesting, loneliness. And I, I definitely I know. know that's a factor. Yeah, because think about it, you know, when you don't have that social environment or stimulation, it can make you more tired because, you know, you don't have anybody to kind of share things with or what have you. So. Yeah, definitely. Because you're, you're sitting at home probably in the dark or you're watching TV and you're not really stimulating your brain. You're not being active. Um, you're just not having that socialization with other people. Also anxiety. Um, so obviously that's not a big surprise. Something that's not listed on here, but depression can also cause us to be fatigued. That would kind of go with loneliness, yeah. lack of exercise which this is something we talk about in almost every podcast. So I hope that people are understanding how important exercise is. Yeah. yeah. Boredom. I thought that one was pretty interesting. Um, you know, we do lots of things out of boredom, which uh, we'll talk about. Well, I guess the next one is eating more junk food, you know, because how many times when we're we're bored or maybe we're lonely or something. We just crave the junk food. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So a lot of these are kind of tied in together. So, and then mm -hmm. another one can be, you know, increasing your consumption of alcohol, which can also be tied to loneliness or depression or the boredom, anxiety. So I thought that was interesting. Isn't it interesting since the pandemic has started? People have been increasing their consumption of alcohol. So, yeah, and now we're seeing more liver disease. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that at all. I mean, it's kind of a cascade effect. And then, of course, you know, it's obvious that if you have a sleep disorder, which affects about 70 million Americans approximately, that can also lead to fatigue because if you're not getting the, the sleep and the rest that you need, the end result is going to be chronic fatigue. So those are some of the, the reasons that you can have increased fatigue. But today, let's start focusing more since we are registered dietitians on how food can relate to that. So what are some foods that can affect fatigue? And then some foods that can help us have more energy and feel better? Yeah, so one of the things is we can choose um, slower carbs you know, because carbs are our main source um, of fuel for our muscles and our brain. So those carbs could be whole grains, legumes, fruits, and vegetables. Again, we've talked about in several podcasts, you know, regarding these, these foods, but we're going back to simplicity. It's just the simple things. It, it's trying to avoid those um, processed foods because those foods tend to slow us down. They could be the cereal, uh, rice, crackers, sugary foods, refined carbs, 
all of those things result in a spike in our blood sugar and then it drops and then it just zaps our energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the second reason is you have to be sure that you're consuming adequate calories. And this is something that I talk a lot about in my program, you know, refined and renewed, because when women come to me, you know, I work with women in menopause, helping them lose weight, boost their energy, boost their metabolism. Oftentimes I find that these ladies are coming from decades of dieting, yo-yo dieting, restricting calories. And so just realizing, like you said earlier, that food is fuel. And when you're eating too few of calories, then that's going to result in that you're not going to have the energy that you need, especially when you're skipping meals and say, for instance, not eating breakfast, not eating lunch and saving those calories till the evening time. You know, that result of that is that you can definitely feel tired and not have that energy that you need all throughout the day. Yeah. And the flip side to that is eating too many calories. So if you're consistently eating out, maybe you go through the drive-thru and you get a big meal with a big sugary drink. I'm sorry, I can't even think of like, you know, like what a, like a Big Mac uh, with a large fry and a sugary drink. You're consuming over 2000 calories just in one meal. And, you know, those are those, those processed foods that we were just talking about. So, you know, it's kind of a seesaw effect. You know, if you eat too many or if you eat too less, that's going to affect your energy. Right. And then, you know, with that, so we're talking about how to boost your energy stores, like you said, choosing the slower carbs, consuming adequate calories, and then tying into what you just said, reducing inflammation. So fatigue and chronic inflammation can be associated with many diagnoses such as the diabetes, the heart disease, and the cancer. So ensuring that you're limiting those foods like the Big Mac or the sugary drinks that are known to increase inflammation by reducing those and eating more of the slow carbs, that can help boost your energy also. Right. And those anti-inflammatory foods can include the nuts, the fish, the plant oils, such as olive or avocado oil, which we previously talked about um, in one of the podcasts when we talked about the Mediterranean diet, you know, which includes a lot of those um, fruits and vegetables, um, those lean cuts of meats and the plants. Yeah. So, eating the rainbow. Uh, yeah. Eating the rainbow. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Other things we can do is increase our protein. Um, a lot of times we forget that this is such an important macronutrient um, that provides us energy. Protein provides that building block for our muscles and muscle mass is so important for us to stay um, physically active. And when we stay physically active, our fatigue improves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I teach in my program that when you're looking at your plate, like how you should prepare your plate, 50% of that plate. So half of your plate should be those vegetables, the fiber, then things that we're talking about, 25% should be the protein source and then 25% the vegetables. So anytime that you're eating a meal or a snack, you really want to be sure that you're not just eating the carbohydrates, but that you're always pairing a protein with that. Again, it can help stabilize your blood sugar. 
So we don't have those highs and lows in it. And it can also make you feel fuller longer. It can make you more satisfied with your meals. It, like you said, helps build you know, your lean muscles. So just be really sure a lot of times women do have to work a little bit harder at ensuring that they're getting adequate protein. So just make that a point that when you're grabbing your, you know, fixing your plate or having a snack that, you know, so that can be something like an apple and peanut butter, yogurt and granola, things like that. Be sure that you're pairing them together, cheese and crackers, and not just like you said, going for those, those processed carbs. Yeah. And, and I really love that illustration too, with the plates. Um, you know, something that we, we learned long ago was, um, is it myplate.org will give you that visual, um, example of what that plate should look like. Mm-hmm. And, and when we do that, we're, we're shifting our mindset of, you know, being more aware of what we're eating, the color of the food. Cause like you said, eating the rainbow, you know, has those anti-inflammatory benefits. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so important. So I love the last podcast you did, and it goes into our next recommendation, if you will, is staying hydrated, hydrated, remembering those foods that are um, high in water content also help count for hydration and hydration can contribute to poor sleep and fatigue. So I thought that was really interesting when I read that about the poor sleep, something I, I, suffer with. I have insomnia. Most nights I'm lucky if I get more than two hours at a time um, of sleep. So I I stay pretty hydrated. I feel like. Yeah. I think, you know, we've done that podcast too on the sleep. And this is something that I also talk a lot about because oftentimes when women hit menopause, even if they used to be really good sleepers, because of those hot flashes, the fluctuations in hormones, then it can affect your sleep. And we all know that if you go without getting good rest, that can affect your appetite. That affects, of course, your energy levels. It just feeds into so many other things. So one thing I want to talk about here, I was on a one of the group calls with my clients. And of course, you know, they were discussing how their sleep was kind of off. And we talk about ways that we can boost Um, get better sleep, get a better night's rest. But one of the things I brought up was that I have been trying a weighted blanket. And so several of my clients ended up ordering one off of Amazon too. And they've reported that their, you know, REM is much better. They're getting more sleep. And then also their quality of the sleep that they're getting has improved. So if any of our listeners are struggling with that, maybe try that weighted blanket. Like I said, Amazon, you can always return it most of the time if it doesn't work. But I found it even when we go on vacation, like this week, we're at the cabin. I I bring one with me now. It's just something that I don't like to go without. So that's something you can try too, if you're really struggling with getting. I love my weighted blanket. You have one too. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I love it. I love it. Next, we want to talk about monitoring caffeine intake. The recommendation is to consume 400 milligrams per day or less, obviously, just not to consume more than that. So to put that in perspective, a 12 ounce cup of coffee is nearly 150 milligrams. So I thought that was pretty interesting. I mean, you know, how many cups of coffee do you drink a day, Stephanie? One. 
How many cups a day do you drink, Mandy? I typically drink about one cup a day. And then I've told you in the past, I drink a lot of tea, but I do buy decaffeinated tea, which of course is unsweet. Right. Now I will say here, the recommendation is typically if you have problems with getting good sleep during the night that you try not to consume caffeine after 12 o'clock. So that is a common recommendation. But here I just say like, you kind of have to know yourself too. Like I personally drink my one cup of coffee in the afternoon, but that doesn't tend to affect my sleep. But if you do notice that you have problems, then it might be something that you want to try by not consuming any caffeine after noon, after 12. Now, of course, and we kind of touched on this at the beginning of the podcast, some medical conditions can also cause fatigue. And one of these, and this is, of course, more prevalent in women, but iron deficiency. So this can result in, and there are different types of anemia. So I want to be sure that our listeners know that. So if you get a call and your your doctor says, oh, you're anemic, be sure that you ask as to what kind, because we have deficiency from iron. We have anemias from different types of iron. There's pernicious anemia. So a B12 deficiency or there's iron deficiency or it can be a deficiency from folate. So you have to be sure that you know what type of anemia you have. And that can be done by simple lab tests. So another one is magnesium. That's important for energy. Um, It's also involved in heart and nerve and muscle function. And you can get magnesium from whole grains, nuts, legumes, and vegetables. And then as I talked about the B12, and that can, you can only find B12 in animal products. So if you are a vegetarian, you do need to be taking a B12 supplement because you're not going to find that in any fruits or vegetables. So those have to come from an animal product or a supplement. Yeah, And B12 can lead to not just to fatigue, but also to cognition changes. So if you see that you're having that cloudy brain or you're starting to forget things, um, B12 may be a supplement that um, you might want to take. And also chronic use of acid-blocking medications can also affect our absorption of B12. Mm -hmm. So the thing we need to remember is our bodies run off what we feed it. We need to be mindful of what we're choosing to put on our plates And again, as we typically talk about in every session, regular exercise and good nutrition um, can help us in our overall health. Yeah. So in summary, we just want to be sure that, you know, that you are getting adequate sleep if you can. A lot of times, you know, yes, these the chronic fatigue syndrome are the things we talked about on the podcast today, but sometimes it's just a lack of you know, we're staying up too late and then having to get up early. So, you know, be sure that you're trying to aim for seven to nine hours of sleep a night and that you're choosing healthier foods throughout the day, limiting those ultra processed foods and trying to eat more of the rainbow, getting those good carbohydrates in, pairing that with protein. Be sure that you're getting your exercise in throughout the day, some some type of movement And of course, if your, you know, stress level is running high, ensuring that you're trying to control that and reducing your caffeine and alcohol intake. 
So, and then after, you know, if you're, this is something that you're struggling with, you know, look at some of these areas that you can change or some of these things that you can implement, give that a couple of weeks and see if your body's adjusting to that. It might be just a little tweak in something that you need to do, but any of these, you know, are good tips for you to see what can you maybe do differently. And then if you continue to struggle with just constant fatigue, chronic fatigue, that is something that, you know, you need to talk with your registered dietitian about or see your doctor about. Labs can be run to see these things. I know like just recently, uh, my daughter had some lab work done and she was just not feeling good and was kind of tired. And her, what came back was she was kind of, you know, she's that typical college student. She's working and going to class and involved in intramural sports and those types of things. And sometimes it's just lifestyle factors that need to be addressed, but sometimes it can be medical concerns. So knowing what the root cause of that is so you can address it appropriately is really the key. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I think we forget that nutrition is one of the most powerful and modifiable behaviors that we can have. Mm -hmm. So many things go back to what we're eating, you know, and hopefully in one of our future podcasts, we'll talk about um, our, our skin, you know, like everything we eat can, you know, it comes out in our skin as well. So if you're having acne breakout or you're having, you know, a rash or something else, it could be basically what you're eating. And also when I was doing this research, I found it interesting that it was talking about food allergies too. So like you said, follow up with your physician or even a registered dietitian, because it could be just certain foods that you're eating that you can no longer have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I hope that our listeners find that helpful. I did want to go over before we close this episode out, our listener question of the week, Mandy, and I thought this was a really good one, is what time of the day is best to exercise? Because as you know, and we've mentioned on this podcast, we are advocates of exercise. So we had the question of what time of the day is the best. So I have an answer. What is, what is your answer? What would you say, Mandy? Well, I think it depends on the person used to, I could not exercise in the evenings because that would keep me up. Now I try to do things like yoga in the evenings, and then I do a harder workout earlier in the day. Mm -hmm. So for me, um, I have to work out earlier in the morning and I can do, you know, more stress reducing exercise, such as yoga in the evening. What about you? When do you work out? Yeah, well, I'm glad you mentioned that because we hadn't talked about this beforehand, what our response was going to be. But I think that also ties into what we were talking about earlier. If you're having problems sleeping and you are exercising later in the evening, that's a great point, too, is moving that up earlier in the day. But my response to that is whatever time you can be most consistent. So that's the thing I, I walk through that with my clients because they want to know, oh, should it be in the morning? Should it be fasted cardio? Should it be, you know, at 12? And, you know, there are a lot of, a lot of false information out there about the perfect time of the day to exercise. And the reality of it is whatever time you can be consistent with, whatever fits with your lifestyle and your schedule, and it's something that you can implement and continue to do, 
because there's no sense fighting against the grain. You know, if if three o'clock in the afternoon is the best time for you to do it, but you've heard that, oh, you need to do it first thing in the morning and that's just not conducive to your lifestyle, then that's not going to be a good recommendation for you. And there's no magic time frame. It's just get some movement in during the day and do the types of exercise that are most effective for what stage of life you're in and what your goal is. And that's going to be the best time to exercise. I love that answer. I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, that we're about out of time, but Mandy, like I said, so glad that you're back. And um, if you could take just a minute listeners to scroll down on Apple podcast and give us a review and a rating that helps other women be able to find the podcast easier And also, if you have a listener question of the week that you want to submit, we would love to hear from you. So you can go to our Instagram, the.fitness.nutritionist or the website, thefitnessnutritionist.com and leave a comment there. We would love to pick your question and answer that on our next episode. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and that you gained a little more info to help you along your journey to your best life. We would love it if you would take just a minute to write this podcast and share it with your family and friends. And as always, let us know if you have anything you would like us to talk about on any future episodes. And don't forget, go to the Fitness Nutritionist Corner, our private Facebook group, where we'll have those fun challenges. We'll answer your questions and support women along their journey to a better health. You can also contact us on our website at thefitnessnutritionist.com. And that's nutritionist with an S. And just remember, ladies, you are worth it.